All right, just a couple of announcements. So if I can have uh, have your attention. The announcement that I have is uh, we have next weekend, uh, Saturday. How many of you going to be here for cleanup? We're going to clean the inside of the sanctuary. We're going to... Uh, be cleaning all the chandeliers, all those glasses. I don't know how many glasses are in all those, but there seems to me like there's a lot. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, next Saturday, 9 o'clock. So we're going to be cleaning the inside of the sanctuary, getting it ready for tabernacles, maybe doing a little bit of painting, cleaning all the chairs, all the spots on the rug where the coffee spilled and... Uh, cleaning the chandeliers and the sconces and all that. So there is lots to do. So who's coming? Woo! All right, I see some hands. Nice. Yeah. So there's also the prayer calendar uh, coming up. So if you're not on that for prayer and fasting, there is a real empowerment for this right now. Amen? Amen. So even before we get into trumpets and before we get into the 10 days and before all that, you could like run out ahead. I think that's okay with God. Amen? I think that would be okay. Prayer and fasting is something that, that moves heaven. And if there are things that you've been praying for and believing for, combining that with fasting, oh my gosh. Combining prayer and fasting and humility and a humble spirit with fasting? Is there anything that's impossible for God? Is there anything that God's not able to do? Oh my gosh. What a people we are that's changing into His image. Do you know that? Changing into His image. Who He is. Who He is on the earth. Amen? Praise the Lord. Good morning. My wife is at Linden State this morning because the girls have some college stuff to do. Um, you can't hear me. You, you can't hear me here either? How about here? Can you hear me? All right. My wife is at Linden State doing some college stuff with the girls. Um, she asked me to remind everyone that with Tabernacles coming up, there are 16 slots to fill for nursery slash child care. And I, I say child care, that's really a bad term for it because it's really a worship service for the kids. It allows them to interact with God on their level as opposed to being out here and somewhat being lost at some times because certain things happen out here. They're a little above, above their heads. So there are 16 slots to fill. There's a saying that says, many hands make light loads. Sean asked about who was going to be able to come help next weekend with uh, the cleanup of the church. Unfortunately, I'm not. I have obligation at the state at the state house. Save the AC units. I still want to get those done. I know we don't need AC units now. I know you don't need them now, but I do need to clean them. I do. They need to be addressed. Um, so with that being said, if you have children that would take part in the nursery or in services for child, for the children, and we would like for you to be a part of that. Not every service, simply, you know, at least one of the 16 time slots that we have to fill if you would help out back there. That way everyone is able to be out here at some point, but everyone takes a turn back there. Um, and that way you also, as, an, as a parent, can see what goes on back there. 
That way you're just not shipping your kids off hoping they're going to get something out of the out of the deal. So with that being said, if you actually not if you when you decide you're ready to help with this, you can contact myself or my wife and we can put you on the schedule. She has the schedule, she'll work with whatever day works best for you as much as possible. Okay? Out. We're going to check it out. We're going to test it out. Bring it on. Bring it on. Ooh, that's what I like to hear. That sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You guys are doing a good job. You know, I'm so thankful for the people that know more than I do. You know, we've been at this. Uh, we. <laughs> I didn't hear that, but that's okay. I'm. I'm like Norm. I, I'm selective hearing. I listen to what I want to hear. Um. <laughs> That's the other side of the story. Amen. Amen. No, but we're just so fortunate because, uh, let's see, we kind of, things, this is the 26 years, and so uh, all that we've done with the sound and things like that, uh, we're all kind of self-taught. You know, we used to, we had a prison ministry out in Singing Hills, so we took all of our worship equipment out. We've been into the Mall of Lebanon. We've been in all kinds of places. And really none of us knew what we were doing. And so then when we came to this building, you know, we knew less because it required more. And then in turn now that we've got uh, some things that were going to allow both the worship and the words to be clearer, I need now someone like prepared by God as Matthew and Dave because they know what to do with all this stuff. I mean, if you, any of you that are knowing sound equipment and that, I mean, what used to be either a 16, 18, or 32-inch mixer is now on a mini iPad. Doesn't make sense to me, but it works. So that's what's taking place. And so thank you, Matthew, for being willing to do this. Because... He was he was mixing and things like this as a young man. Well, he's still a young man, but a younger young man. And so in turn, he was able to bring all of that, and he's really mentoring Ben and helping him out a lot. So uh, that's the importance. These lists, the things, that's what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about. I mean, can you imagine, uh, you know, maybe, let's just say about 500,000, 600,000 people appearing in Jerusalem to stand in the presence of the Lord. I mean... They didn't have outhouses in those days, but they did have outhouses because you just cause you went outside. So you, can you imagine the food arrangements and all? You talk about childcare and all the lists and animal care because they all came, you know, on their camels and their donkeys. And I just not at the same time. So aren't we fortunate that we just have this little mess? Plus the fact that we don't have the priests out in the parking lot, right, killing bulls and calves and blood all over the place. Exactly. So, yes. Real quick, about the sound. About the sound. Yeah.
Exactly. I hear a voice. Pastor, yes. Oh, Deb Lamphere and uh, Beth, children's ministry, if you would like to see your kids go on a journey in the presence of the Holy Spirit and be equipped and trained up and probably go past where you are, Mom and Dad. I'll say that again. Go past where you you and Dad are, Mom and Dad, then send your kids over. Because doesn't the Word say that children will lead them? First shall be last, and the last shall be first. What did Jesus say when they were all bragging about who's best and greatest in, uh, in the kingdom? He says, well, let me just present this little child. These children are the greatest in the kingdom of God. So, hallelujah. Thank you for reminding me. See, I get away and I forget what's going on. Not really. I just love the presence of the Lord and what's transpiring right now. We've sensed for the last, really the last, uh, well, the three or four weeks before we left, you could sense the preparation of the Father really coming. We are identifying the Holy Spirit and Jesus, but also when the Father comes, it's a different atmosphere. You can sense His heart and His love, and you just melt in His presence. And the worship becomes tender. and doesn't mean that you can't celebrate and worship fast songs, but there's that drawing of your heart. And... I was able to listen to the word and thank you to Matthew and Ben and all of those that once again have our words up on the website where you can now listen to the words and rehearse them. If either you're not here or if there's something you want to go back with, uh, my problem is if something catches me, I think about that and then somebody's gone on for three or four minutes and I didn't hear what the last three or four minutes were. So that's really, really, uh, just go to uh, praisechapeloutreach.com and you can just hit that, listen to the word. And you can hear that. But I was listening to Greg's word. Wasn't it wonderful that God would present a preparation, prepare you the way, in the practical things, through one who is a deacon in the house, a servant of the Lord, that loves him first and loves you equal to that. Isn't that amazing? And so uh, that really began to just uh, stir my heart because I want to talk about expectations. Because we are preparing in the practical ways. But expectations, what are you expecting? Now, some of you, this may be your first tabernacles. Some of you, this may be a multiple of times of tabernacles. But the things that you have to understand about expectations is they really frame our behavior of things to come. So if you've had disappointment through previous expectations, your hope level and your expectation is a little bit apprehensive. You know, is it going to be less than I thought it was going to be? Is it not going to be anything that I thought it was going to be? Did it not serve me in the way that I wanted it to serve? Or was I offended by someone? (laughs) Or I didn't like the ministry last year and I don't want to forgive? Or I want to forgive on my terms? I mean, I've got to forgive no matter what? Because Jesus both died and paid the penalty? Has anybody qualified their decision of forgiveness in the past? Often it's on our terms. And so disappointment can be really uh, a uh, 
can prevent us from really reaching the fullness or having this exciting expectation. But what I thought was important is, is that you can sense this presence in his sanctuary. This is kind of a safeguard for us. We get kind of charged up. We get kind of filled up. And then either by the time we hit the door or go over to the food bank, something has tried to, uh, to uh, attack or afflict, afflict or inflict uh, something that would prevent what God was really trying to speak but also do inside of us happen. And so I thought it was important to the word because I love the fact that uh, Barbara Dean was guided to go to the book of Psalms. Because David, for me, is the most realistic person that I can relate to. Okay? I mean, the other ones are, are all in our history of family, going back, right, to Abraham, to Noah. Are we not all of the seed of Abraham, those in Christ Jesus? So in turn, but David was one that I could relate to. Started as a young man, had all of these wonderful words and this anointing to be spoken to him about his future, and then to try to live it. <laughs> it's like, okay, he was not without sin, though he now today and was known to have a heart after God. So what I want to try and do is try to give you an opportunity to have access in these next, really, days and weeks, and not expectations just for tabernacles, but for who you are as a Christian. Because your adversary chooses to destroy you. Because you are made in the likeness of the Father. So in turn, Satan, who wants you to be the reflector of God's, God's glory, now knows that you are going to actually become his glory. So he wants to destroy you. So everything that transpires in your life, if not submitted into a place of saying, I'm his, I'm the Lord's, he's mine, he goes before me, he's my rear guard, he's my side guard, he's my rock, like you were at the, uh, what do you call that, the cemetery. Otherwise, you'll start taking the natural circumstances and your adversary will just present nothing but failure. You're a loser. There's no reason to go on as a Christian. Nobody likes Christians. It's not acceptable to be a Christian. What is there in God's promises? Look at your life. Yet we do know through the testimonies that have come just in these last weeks in preparation of what this tabernacle could be and might be because none of us know what it's going to be like. All we know is as he says he'll be here. Being the Father. He's promised that three times a year. We can go to conferences, we can go to other place, places and hope that he's there. But three times a year in these settings, he will be here. So that gives an encouragement to all of us, and we've heard the testimonies that that was a life-changing time. And every person experiences that life change in different ways. Go to Psalms 62 if you could, please. Because what we're going to talk about is expectations. In the weeks ahead, but for your life. Expectations, which are your hope, is what you wake up to the morning 
and decide to move on. Anybody get up in the morning not really excited about the day and don't really want to press on as a Christian and the things that God has for you, or, or as a mother, or as a father, or as a grandfather? Spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So in turn, it's so amazing to me because the Psalms, which in turn were mostly songs, some of those Psalms were created by Moses, but for the most part David, but he had something inside of him that caused him with an expectation to wake up every day in the midst of his sin, his poor choices, right? Seen the evidence of his sin in many ways, lost his first child. But there was something that changed the natural ability of a man to go beyond what seemed to be circumstances that could not be overcome. Any of you been reminded of a circumstance that doesn't seem to want to let go? I'm talking about a process. I'm talking about a work that only he can do. But listen to this, and this is just... Uh, I was going to sit down because I just want to take time with this. I want the Father to minister to us because our expectations in the midst of all that's going on all around us continue to get pulled. They get blurred. They get caught up. Listen to this. This is David. My soul wait only upon God and silently submit to him. For my hope and my expectation are from him. This is a man remembering, trying to work through life. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and my fortress. I shall not be moved. With God rests my salvation and my glory, which is his destiny, his future. He is my rock of unyielding strength and unpenetrable hardness, and my refuge is in God. My soul. Any of you ever have soul fits? Deanna, does Lewis ever cause you to go into a soul fit? Maria, do you ever go into a soul fit? JC, you never go into a soul fit, do you? Cool. When your soul is out of control, it's not under the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Psalm 65, 4. Remember, we're talking about expectations. <laughs> 65 verse 4. Blessed, happy, or fortunate is the man whom you chose and caused to come near, that he may dwell in your courts. 
we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. Wouldn't life be so simple if that could be our testimony? Can I tell you it is? That's exactly what it's becoming. Because we are all making choices in our life. I mean, look at Barbara Dean. There was something within the Holy Spirit that wanted to be able to bring her to a place. He was drawing her near. God take her to a cemetery? Absolutely. To be able to see the things that had come into her life, that she can acknowledge them, acknowledge her part in them, and forgive those that had brought that which was in her life that she was living out or had lived out. And then in turn, her soul was at peace. And she could feel, and she talked about this, she could feel the goodness of the Lord. It wasn't something out here. It wasn't this little tingly, ooey-gooey feeling or the soft music. Or a quiet, peaceful place in the cemetery because nobody's going to talk to you there, right? Nobody's going to confront you. But that peace, that goodness in the presence of the Lord. David knew. He was able to find the place in the midst of all of his daily circumstances that being in the presence, the goodness of God was that fellowship and that communion that he knew he could find. He knew that God's love was there and that would never be moved. It was not conditional, as he surely had sinned. But he knew through his repentance and the forgiveness of God, he can be restored back into that relationship. And it was a constant in his life. It was a refuge, if you will. It was an expectation that he could then begin to say every single day, there is that which I know that I've touched and I've tasted. Now, we, we were able to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit inviting us into a place that we would allow our walls to come down, right? The pot roast is in the oven. The football game, it's on at 1 o'clock, right? That I leave, that I leave the stove on. I've got a birthday party to go to. We were able to separate and then come into his presence and allow him to be the goodness in our lives. Now let's go to Psalms 27. Because coming back, I had an opportunity. I had breakfast with Ben, and then I had an opportunity to have dinner with Sean Wilder. And all of us, we're all trying to figure this out. As Christians, in a nation that Christianity is less and less acceptable, and you can really only bring your confessions amongst those who you trust and that love you, and then the workplace is becoming more difficult. The relationships all around us, in many ways, are becoming more difficult. Maybe even some of our own family members don't agree with the life that we're living and what we've given our lives to. All of these things. But what I'm hoping, and, and I, 
if you remember anything, I want you to remember Psalms 27 and this, this expectation that's inside of you. Just me speaking the words is not going to create it inside of you because it already is. He lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the Word says that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are preparing a dwelling place, a habitation, for when the fullness of tabernacles comes, God is not going to dwell in a house built with hands. He is going to dwell in you. So you don't have to, mm, I need some expectations to increase. Mm, I've got to look at my day better when I wake up in the morning. This is what kept David pressing in every single day. All you have to do is read about David, and we've got nothing to complain about. Because his sin was known even today. And his sin affected generations. Not just his own family, but generations. So when you wake up in the morning and you've got a bad attitude and you think, why has life given me what it has? Just read the beginnings of David. We got nothing to complain about. But listen to this because I want this to be a motivator. It's a life source that's already inside of you. Before you met Sandra, you had to take a little bit of time to get to know her before you could go into the next step of your relationship or fellowship. Right, JC? It's no different with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. Spend time. Come to know Him. Come to know Him. Because He tells you all about His love and who He is. And that's inside of you. Let's go to Psalms 27. Because I, I believe that David, known as a man who had a heart after God, I think this is one of the reasons why he was able to walk that out. This is Psalms 27, verse 4. One thing that I've asked of the Lord. Now mind you, David was king of the world, if you will, at that time, because all of Israel was united and there was not an army in the earth that would challenge them. There was peace on the earth. He was a priest who brought the offerings before the Father, recreated and established, went beyond the Levitical priesthood and created a priesthood of musicians, singers, a whole new order. But he was also a husband and a father and a grandfather. Can you imagine out all the things in his life? I'm sure there were lots of regrets of things that he probably wished he had done differently. But you can, you can say this. One thing I have asked of the Lord, 
that will I seek. Inquire for and insistently require. That's putting a demand on God. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for my destiny, the glory to be revealed in my life. Thank you for my future. But this is one thing that I require. That I dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Can you imagine if we could simplify our lives <laughs> in one request that was the greatest of all and require it of God? Because we'd love to see Him take care of our finances, keep an eye on our children and grandchildren. We'd love him to see him correct the world and the governments and this, this whole election process and everything that's going on with ISIS and all the things that are taking place in the world. And the orphans and the refugees, all of these things, wouldn't we love to see God intervene? But this is one thing that David knew was the only thing that would sustain him in what God had asked him to do. God, if this is your promise for me, if this is the glory that you're going to reveal for me, that I'm going to be the king, I'm going to be a type and shadow of your son Jesus, both king and priest in the earth, and you're going to use me to bring, really, peace to Israel for 33 years and bring all of the earth, all of the governments of the earth, under you, then I'm going to require. Moses said, Lord, if you don't go before me, then don't send me. Isn't that right? That wasn't enough for David. I require that I dwell in your house forever. Mm. To behold the gaze of your beauty. Not to fix your problems. Not to forgive your sins. Not to tell me what tomorrow is going to look like and what do you have next year and what's the following year and gaze on your glory. The beauty of the Lord and the delightful lovingness of the Lord to meditate, to consider and inquire in His temple. We are in such a special, special time right now of the people of God. We had an experience, and I need to share this with you. And I've asked Nea and, and whoever else can interpret this as clearly as, clearly as possible because I believe this is extremely significant for all of us. Okay? We had come to the conclusion, Kathy and I, of our vacation time. And then we were going to go to South Carolina because Chelsea is going to be going to YWAM. So Kathy was spending four days there to take care of the boys while Mom and Dad were taking Chelsea to Colorado. I returned on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day it was. So the last day, we were in this perfume shop. Okay? And there's this little young man about this tall, and he carries himself well. He likes to talk and this and whatever. Knows his product. And then I look at his name tag. 
And he's from Brazil. So I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, M-E-L-Q-U-I. And he saw me looking at his name tag. He says, can you pronounce my name? I, well, you're from Brazil, right? He says, yeah. He says, can you pronounce that? And it was Melchior. I don't know. He says, well, all the letters, they couldn't fit on the name tag. Now listen to this. You need to write this down. He says, my name is Melchizedek. No beginning or end. Jesus is under the order of a new priesthood, and so aren't we the order of Melchizedek. I said, how did you get that name? He says, my mother read the Bible all the time. I'm 65 years old. I've been in a lot of places. I have never, never come to the acquaintance of anyone that was named Melchizedek. Looked at him and I said, You know, the word says that yes, your mother gave you that name, but God named you that name. And there is destiny for your life. So, what does that speak to me? The king is coming. Jesus, as we, we are called to be kings and priests. Go to Revelation 6 1, if you will. David in his courts, even the order of Levi, all of their dwelling places or apartments, if you will, as priests were in the courts. All the food that was brought to God, the priests ate. They were in the abiding presence of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Those after the order of Melchizedek, presently there's 24 angels around the throne singing what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now, I'm going to close with this scripture. This is 2 Corinthians. And I've written down three different uh, versions of the Bible, if you will. This is 2 Corinthians 5.4. 2 Corinthians 5.4. The first one's the NIV. I want you to listen to the context of the expectation that David would dwell in his courts forever. Never leave it. This is Paul. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be closed, clothed. Instead, with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. This is the King James. For, the, for we that are in this tabernacle, we groan, being burdened. Not for that, what would be un, that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that morality might be swallowed up of life. 
This is the Aramaic. Far as we are now in this house, did David say, that I would dwell in your house forever. We are made to groan by its weight, and we do not want to strip it off, but to put on over it that its mortality may be swallowed up by life. See, those of the people of God had to travel to a place to enter into the courts. And only the priests could enter the courts, but they could reach out into the outer courts who will. But the priests still had to be in a physical place. But David's heart cry, his expectation is that he would dwell in the court, in the presence of God forever. You and I don't have to go to a physical temple to dwell and abide in the presence of the Father. Because soon, according to the word, he is going to come to you. That's why this expectation of tabernacles, that's why this inviting us into a place of stay the course, like David you have destiny before you, God's glory to be revealed. Yet you've got an adversary that wants to try to destroy you. You can read the Psalms. Because preceding that, my enemies are all around me. But there's one thing that I desire. And so I want you to be comforted into knowing that what you're doing is not in vain. And I know it's not easy. He never said it was going to be easy. And it never will be as long as our soul is in control. But when the spirit man is just becoming quickened and made alive, and this soul man, this Lonnie, who needs to disappear, and this flesh that needs to be clothed, then all there is left is him. And what you put your hands to will be blessed. What you bless will be blessed. If you've been treated and, in, and, and embraced, then let blessings remain where you've been. Did not Jesus do that? It was inside of you. You invited him into your heart. You're the Lord of my life, Jesus. So, when I heard that prepare, I just sensed that, because Sean and I were talking about this, and I want to bring this to a close because I don't want to lose focus. See, us guys have a problem. We read something, and automatically we create a picture up here. Like that's what's supposed to look like. We take the scriptures, even the, the, the prophecy that was over my and Kathy's lives and all of our kids. <laughs> Kathy and I have been married 48 years now. It does not look like what I thought it was when I had that picture in my mind 48 years ago or 20 years ago or three years ago or last year. 
See, he wants our expectation to be to be in your presence, to see your beauty. That's all I care about. Yeah, I'm happy the sound's working good. Yeah, it's going to be exciting that the building's going to be clean. Yeah, it's fun that we have new people coming that we've not met before to come to this time of tabernacles and, and celebrate because most of the world has no idea of what we're doing as Christians. What I want to be able to do is my expectation is this. I wake up tomorrow morning. I want to see the beauty of your glory. I want to feel. I want to, I want to sense the goodness. Not what you're going to do for me. Not what you're going to fix. Not what you're going to t- do something with this body that, that, that can't run like it used to. Oh, I want to dwell in the courts of your presence. Because that's right here. You don't have to go somewhere. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have It's right here. That makes sense. We wonder why our worship is tender. It doesn't mean that we can't dance and celebrate because we have so much to dance and celebrate about. Man. See his beauty. And mind you, we only see in part right now. Do you know what it's going to be like at the fullness of tabernacles? Sukkoth? And he comes and he walks and he walks or he comes through the wall however he does it. And you talk about saying, That's going to be the final gathering. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I have to believe even these chairs will bow. Because everything's, everything's living. The rocks will cry out. This carpet's going to cry out, holy, holy, this building, this whole valley, this whole state. It's going to hear holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you just, that, that removes every, every word picture that you try to put to the Scriptures. I believe that. I love it. So Father, I ask that this preparation that's that's coming inside of us, Lord. That each and every part, these living stones that you've called, that's what you said, Peter, no longer a house made with hands, but a house coming together as living stones, a spiritual house. And Father, that each and every one of us are that stone that's being formed and fashioned to have its perfect place. And that Jesus, you are the cornerstone And all the apostles and the prophets and all of those of authority are the foundation. And yet you hold up these stones, these living stones, that all the world might see your salvation. See your forgiveness. See the goodness and the loving kindness of repentance and forgiveness. And those becoming more and more in your life. I mean, I watch a movie and I start crying. I hear a song and I start crying. Can you imagine what is the, I'm just going to be an undone, undone man. I'm just going to be, you might as well just, I'm just going to be a puddle or something. Yes. You know, you know what David is saying is, what David is saying is, we don't have to wait to see the temple. We don't have to wait until we pass into the next world. The temple is here, like you say, here. And David lived it every day. 
And can you imagine how difficult it must have been? He was in hiding for 20 years. Can you imagine how difficult it would be for him to say, I am in the temple. I am living with, I am with the living God. We don't have to wait till later on. Now, now, now. All said.